I want to just not give a disclaimer, but to, to just kind of explain some things. I absolutely love all of you, and I love the members of this church. Without you, we, um, we're, no, we're nobody. We can't go anywhere. We can't do anything. And you have really helped my wife and I and others in this fellowship, parts of our team, to preach the gospel of the kingdom around the world. You have helped us to do that, and we love and honor you for that. I, I was saying, I think it was in my last message, that I see myself being somewhat like Ezekiel, uh, the watchman on the wall, that it is my responsibility to warn you when I see danger coming. And if I fail to warn you and the enemy comes, then what the enemy does to you, God will require my hands. And so that's why some of the messages have been so direct and straightforward. Actually, I told you last year, last December, that I believe the Lord was going to stop me from speaking and preaching so much figuratively. Uh, because I do a lot of fig I did a lot of figurative speaking. That is, you knew what I was talking about if you were really seeking God. Uh, but so I said that I think it was in December, and had no idea that, as as uh, some of the young people say that that beginning January one from Jump Street they would say from Jump Street uh, I began doing that. I don't have any issue there. There's no apology for that because it has been my desire to always please the Lord first. Um, I'm going to take my time a little bit today and just share with you, uh, not rush anything. Uh, there, was a, there is a chapter in the Bible in 1 Kings chapter 13 that it informs me, and it informs me about a prophet from Judah that God sent to Samaria to prophesy against Jeroboam and the altar, and he went down. God gave him very clear instructions. You are to go down there and prophesy. You're not to eat bread or drink water in that place, and don't come back uh, to Judah the same way you went there. And so, but he gets there, and this old prophet uh, convinces him that, that God didn't mean what he said, and that uh, he could come and eat with him, and, and so forth. And so, the man li listened to that old prophet rather than God. And the, the story is, when he finished eating, the old prophet prophesied against him that he had disobeyed God, and that when he left, uh, a lion killed him, but wouldn't eat him. A lion killed him and wouldn't eat him. So that, that scripture, that uh, chapter, 1 Kings 13, has always been informative, and I always give that chapter to young people who would be preachers. I want to talk to you today uh, from the subject, If You Want to Be Great, Part 3. If you want to be great. Now, I would like to do a little recapping uh, in this message and from Matthew chapter 20. Uh, I did not give that to my my people, so put Matthew chapter 20, beginning in verse 26, uh, be 26 through 28. Um, Matthew chapter 20, uh, verses 26 through um, 28. And so he says in verse 26, um, yet it shall not be so among you. What he's saying to them is that you shall not be like Gentiles. We have as role models in the world many Gentile leaders, but they're not my role models, frankly. I respect them, I honor them, but they're not my role models. Jesus is always my role model. Uh, 
He is the one that I'm always trying to be like. And he says, yet, shall, uh, yet it shall not be so among you. You shall not be like Gentile leaders. Frankly, brothers and sisters, there are many pastors and leaders in, in, the, in the church, the visible church, and I always make a differentiation uh, that with the, the church, it's the visible church. There are a lot of Gentilic leaders. They're just like the Gentile leaders. They're strong, authoritarian, brutish, and rough, and this should not be. He said, it shall not be so among you. It is not that way with the true church. It is not that way with the true church. The true church has leaders like Christ. He says, whoever, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. Isn't that amazing? Whoever desires to be great among you, let him serve. And so uh, I've said to you that the servers in the church are the great ones. And that's why I personally endeavor to be a pastor who serves. I, I try to never complain about what I do and how late I'm staying up or how long I'm praying for somebody. And, and then he goes on, and whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. So if you want to be first, and I want to be first, when I, I, as a reward, I don't want a big mansion in heaven. No, 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 I don't want a big mansion. I don't want to go and dive into the, to, to the, the river that's, that's running through the great city. No, I don't want to do that. I just want to be close to Jesus, as close as I can to Jesus. If I should get any reward, I want it to spend eternity as close to Jesus as I can. Amen. Amen. So if you desire to be first, whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. And so I want to be, as it were, your slave. I want to do whatever needs to be done. I want to do it without pay, without compensation. I want to be just that. And then Jesus gives a comparison. He says, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, what? Jesus did not come to have waiters and attendants, but to serve Jesus came to serve. He dignified serving. Jesus came to serve and to give his life a ransom for many and to give his life. So when you are serving, you are practicing, as it were, giving your life. When I was a little boy uh, growing up in East Texas, I remember uh, there were a lot of us kids. We were 10, but we weren't all at, at home at the same time. But we were 10 in my family. And I had uh, six brothers and three sisters. Well, sometimes we, as we were playing around in the yard or doing various little kiddie things, uh, uh, one of my aunts would say something like, Don, go, go, go get me a glass of water. And I'm thinking, well, why doesn't she ask her own kid? Right? But mom was sitting over there. And uh, I had to go because there are a lot of us running around. But I would go get the water. But sometimes I didn't get the water with a good attitude because I thought she could have asked her own child. Why was she picking on me? But my mom and dad raised us, reared us to serve. So we all had to serve in the house, out of the house, and wherever there were adults present. I didn't know at the time that we were practicing Christianity. Hallelujah. So this is what God wants 
for all of us. And so one of the greatest failings of parenthood in our day is that we don't teach our children to serve. How many children can you find that if mom or dad said, go get me a glass of water, and oh, while you're doing that, go warm up some of those leftovers and bring to me. How many children would feel insulted? Because we have not taught them to serve. And when you don't teach a congregation or families or children to serve, you do them a disservice. If you want to be great, if you want to be great, you must serve. If you want to be great, it didn't say get in the front of a parade and say you're leading it. But if you want to be great, not lead, sure, I lead as a servant not as an authoritarian dictator, not as a dictator, not as somebody who walks in like he is the biggest thing in town. No, we serve, we, we lead from service. Jesus never rebuked his disciples for wanting to be great. He did not rebuke them for wanting to be great. There's nothing wrong with you wanting to be great. Uh, I just mentioned Jonathan graduating magna cum laude, you know? Yeah, I want to be great. So now when, when employers see, oh my goodness, A, 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 B, A, 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 B, A, they say, we want him. Because that B meant that he was striving to be the best. Some Bs are, that's your best. But, but yes, oh, he's striving to be. And so the, Jesus never rebukes us for wanting to be great. I've, t- I've told you before, I've w- always wanted to be great for God, and I don't mind serving. You see, when we started the church, and I'm not patting myself on the back, I was the, the, I was the pastor, I was the janitor, and I did all of the cleaning. And my wife, my, my wife was the, the baker, the, the cook, the chef. So we did those things and still do them. I have no issue with serving, and you should have no issue with serving. I even serve from my preaching. I even serve whatever God prepares in the kitchen. I come out and serve it. Now, let me tell you what, I, what, what one of my stories. Uh, many years ago, I, a friend of mine from the oil business said, he said, Don, I want, I want to take you out to, to the best catfish you ever had. I haven't had the best catfish you ever had. I got to tell you, oh, no, oh, no, no, I'm going to take you to the best catfish. This is some good catfish. So we got out there to the place, and uh, we were eating the catfish, and it wasn't all that. And so, so I was, uh, I'm eating. He said, it's not very good, is it? No, it's not very good, but it's, it's okay, man. It's edible. It's like one time I cooked one of my best meals for from, from, uh, my kids, and, and I looked at old Mark and said, how you like it? He said, it gets the job done. <laughs> you never want anybody to do that. To say that to you, or it, it gets the job done, or it fills the cracks in the stomach. That's good. That's all it's doing for me. But this guy, that, that food just got the job done. And uh, so the wait, waitress or waiter came by and said, uh, how do you like it? And so my friend says, it's not good. I'm like, shh. Don't, Jerry, be, be, be quiet, be quiet, don't, don't say that. He said, it's not very good. Oh, and it's not much of it either. And, and so, so we went, to, so in just a few minutes, uh, actually less than a minute, a big chef came out, about 300 and maybe 40 or 50 pounds, and he had this big knife or meat cleaver. I, I don't recall which one, but like a knife or meat, meat cleaver. He had been working in the kitchen. He came out and said, what's wrong with the food? I'm thinking nothing is wrong with the food. 
Absolutely nothing is wrong. I'm thinking, and my friend Jerry said, you know, being the cowboy he was, he said, it's not very good. I thought, oh, Lord, we, we're going to get chopped up today. We're gonna be, he's going to be serving some chopped steak in a minute. And so he says, not very good. It's, uh, and he said, well, what's wrong with you? It doesn't taste good, and it's not very much of it. And the guy said, I'm sorry. And I thought, thank you, Jesus, for that. Well, well uh, as I am saying to you that that there's nothing wrong with being the best. Jerry said to me, this is the best. So I too have wanted the very best. I have wanted the very best. I don't want to just get the job done. I want to be great for God. You can be great for God. We don't, I don't want to serve a, a ministry food that just gets the job done. Amen. So, so Jesus never rebuked them for wanting to be great, but he taught and showed them what true greatness is. And I think the church needs to be taught again what true greatness is because too many of us have been co-opted by the world's standards and the world's ways. There are many scriptures that encourage us to be like Jesus. True greatness is being like Christ, not like your favorite person in the world. It is being like Christ. Um, as a matter of fact, the scripture teaches us uh, that righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne, Psalm 89, 14. Righteousness and justice. And so you, you and I know right now that we cannot be great if we are not walking in righteousness and justice. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of God's throne, so they should be our foundation as well. Righteousness and justice. Not just as the world sees it, but the church should be leading the cause of righteousness and justice in the earth. We, we, that is our DNA. The throne, the throne of our God and Father is, is the Bible says, uh, is, is foundational. Righteousness and justice, rather, are foundational to that throne. So God doesn't, as it were, sit on elephant tusks. He sits on righteousness and justice. Amen. Righteousness and justice. And so when believers take sides in all these wars and all this craziness that's going on in the world, it is a painful thing to your pastor. It's painful because you are the standard. So why should you leave the standard and go for something less? When you leave the standard, you will always settle for something less. Hallelujah, somebody. Jesus says in Matthew 11, Verses 28, 30, these are some often read scriptures by me. He says, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. You, you've got burdens on you. He says, if you'll come to me, I will give you rest. I will give you rest. That's his promise. I will give you rest from your strivings. I will give you rest from your burdens. I will give you rest from what the, the world is trying to burden you with. He says, take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you, not the world's yoke and learn from me. Now, Jesus says, you learn from me. Learn from me. Learn from whom? The world? No. Learn from me. Learn from uh, America? No. Learn from me. Uh, let me just say it while I'm thinking it. 
Our, I love our nation. There's nobody can say they love America more than me. But America is not an idol to me. It's a blessing to me, but not an idol. And there are those of you, it's, it has become an idol. It has become an idol. And you think you are justified by your patriotism. No, patriotism by, from God is never meant for things to become an idol. Right now, it's an idol for most church people, or a great number anyway. And we are part of the problem. We have become a part of the problem. Now, I'm the watchman on the wall. I'm blowing the trumpet. You can hear it or you cannot hear it. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for, what did Jesus say? For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. Now, he said, I will give you rest. He says, learn from me because I am gentle, I am meek, I am humble, he's saying, and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. So, church, you'll find rest for your soul by being meek, gentle, humble, and lowly in heart. Because that way, you have determined to depend on Jesus and not your own resources. See, the thing about the devil, the difference is between us and the devil, we depend on Jesus uh, as our source, because, but the devil, when he speaks, he speaks the Bible, Jesus says, from his own resources. Wow, we're living at a pivotal time in our church history, in our nation's history. We're living in a, in a pivotal time. We're living in a time when you, the people of God, must make the right decision, not get mad at the preachers, the preachers who are preaching. In Zechariah, verses nine, uh, chapter 9, verse 9, Zechariah says, Rejoice greatly. O daughter of Zion, shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. We've gotten away in our churches now. We don't shout anymore. We don't shout anymore because it's just not popular. You can't have a lot of people in your church if you shout. I, hear, I remember Pastor Houston a number of years ago, we had this, this uh, stain remo remover called shout. And he says there are some stains that nothing but shout will get out. I should never forget that. You see, sometimes we're so, we're so careful. I was here praying a minute ago, and, and, and I start to rumble something. Because I, I, was, I, was, I was out of Dawn Lavelle, as it were, and I was in the Spirit of God, and I start to rumble something. <laughs> I'm just saying, let's stop trying to please the world and please the one who died for us. You want to be great, please him. You want to be great, be like him. He is my role model. Somebody was talking about Charles Barkley. His behavior was so apprehensible, uh, reprehensible rather, reprehensible a number of years ago. He had done something really t untoward. And, and he said, well, I'm no role model. Well, he didn't know those were true words. He's not meant to be a role model for my children and my grandchildren. Jesus is our role model. I know he should have behaved better, but Jesus is our, our role model. Then we want somebody in the world to be a role model for our kids. We ought to be teaching them every day that when they come before our presence in church, at home. My mom taught me at home maybe more as much or more than I got at church. 
Hallelujah, somebody. So he tells us, shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. It's all right to shout in church every once in a while. You don't want to get all in your flesh because everybody knows when you're in the flesh sometime but you. Everybody else knows. They're saying to themselves, mm, he ought to sit down or she ought to be quiet. You know, they may go back and tell the husband or wife, man, wasn't that messed up? I used to tell my kids when they say, was that the Lord today, Daddy? Was that the Lord tonight? I said, no, but we're going to go back next Sunday. That's the way God has us. <laughs> Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming. Now, he's talking to us too because when we saw those, when we read those things that happened, uh, Jesus going into Jerusalem uh, to, for, for his death, uh, we, we are now seeing that Jesus is ready to come now for us. And so we ought to be shouting and praising the Lord rather than cowering down in fear if that's what you're doing. By the way, to wear a mask is not being fearful, but not to wear a mask is being foolish. Not wearing a mask is being foolish. Wearing a mask is not fearful. We're doing that for the public safety. There are people who have COVID-19, they don't know it. They look as healthy as a horse, but they're spreading the virus everywhere they go. And some of the people are dying. So do you want to prove how big and bad you are and all the rights you have? You, you, your rights end when our rights begin. And you don't have a right to cause somebody to have COVID-19 and they die because you were too proud to wear a mask. Shame. Que lastima en español. Que lastima. Que vergüenza. What a pity. What a shame. All right. Those are the words I know in Spanish. He said, behold, your king is coming to you. Your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. That means that's who our king is. That's who Jesus is. Jesus doesn't mind condescending. Our God the Father is a servant king. Jesus the Lord is a servant king. The polar opposites to the world. And there may be somebody in our audience, whether here at the fellowship or online, and you're sitting there arrogantly and just still going to be the way you want to be. Man, one of these days when the Lord comes, it'll be too, too good to say, I, I, I'm wrong, I, I'll change. Because once that, that trumpet sound, you're not going to know when that trumpet's going to sound. Once that trumpet sound, it's over. You can say whatever you want to say, but, but it's, no, it's no good. It won't be accepted. You keep on doing your dirt. You keep on being a hypocrite. Keep on lying. You know, that's not good for us, is it? It's not good for us, all right? I'm preaching like the old folks used to preach. Like the old folks used to preach. Let me read to you. Uh, I was sitting in the office just kind of meditating. And I was going to, you know, come out and, and, and give you a few scriptures and, and, and uh, maybe be done today. But I, I feel like I need to talk to you a little bit about Zechariah's prophecy about Jesus coming into Jerusalem. He, is, he says he is... Uh, Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation. Well, his name is salvation. Jesus' name, that means salvation. Yeshua or Yeshua. Yeshua means salvation. Jesus' name is salvation. So, so when you have a little bit of Jesus, you got salvation. And some of you just settle for a little bit of Jesus. I want a lot of Jesus. I want all of Jesus. 
Amen. I want all of Jesus. I want to look just like him. I want to think like him. I want to walk like him. I want to talk like him. I've told you the story is a little bit comical, but my mom used to say to me, she would laugh, she would chuckle, she'd say, boy, you're just like your daddy. She said, I saw you walking down there and you were just like your daddy. Well, I didn't want to, I wanted to be like my dad in other ways, but I didn't want to walk like dad because I thought dad, dad was kind of clumsy a little bit, it, you know, and I didn't want to be like that. I mean, you know, I was a young single boy and, and no girl wanted a clumsy guy. And so I didn't want to be like that, but I, I, as I, of course, I've married a beautiful woman, uh, my sister Marva, and somebody said, well, what did she see in you? I don't know, but I'm glad she saw it. I'm seriously glad she saw it. I wouldn't be the same without her. But, but anyway, I was walking down, of course, been married now 51 years, but I was walking, I, I, I get up in the morning and I start to walk uh, toward the living area and I'm walking down the hall and if, I'm so glad that God made walls, you know, because those walls keep me, I'm just kind of flopped on one side and I'll flop on the other. I said, I've got to stop walking like dad. Yeah, so, so we, we want to be like somebody. You should want to be like Jesus, not by the world rulers, not by world rulers. Now, now Jesus has shown us he's lowly, he's meek, he's humble, but we like arrogant leaders, don't we? When you choose leaders, you oftentimes choose arrogant leaders. I'm, I'm saying that should never be for believers. L- listen to 1 Kings 1, uh, beginning in verse 22. I'm going to read many scriptures, but I'll try to move fast. Jesus was riding on a donkey, uh, a colt, a little colt on whom nobody had ever ridden. And, and in Kings, this is a story about David and Solomon. And I thought I would bring those two together for those of you who may not be Bible scholars. He says, and just then, while she was still talking with the king, he's speaking of Bathsheba. It was Bathsheba, uh, one of David's wives. When she was talking with the king, well, the scenario is that David's, uh, Solomon rather, Solomon's older brother, David's oldest son, uh, Adonijah, uh, decided he was going to be king uh, anyway. He's going to be king. He knew that his dad had chosen Solomon, so he's going to be king. And, da- and David had promised Bathsheba, your son is going to sit on my throne. He, he chose Solomon when he was very, very young. Solomon was young when he took the throne. It's an amazing story. So let me take this story up. And just then, while she was still talking with the king, Nathan the prophet came in. Nathan the prophet. So they told the king, saying, here is Nathan the prophet. And when he came in before the king, He bowed down before the king with his face to the ground. And Nathan said, My lord, O king, have you said Adonijah shall reign after me, and he shall sit on my throne? Now, now Nathan knew he hadn't said that. He's asking the question. David is very sickly now, and he's lying lying on his bed. He said, For he has gone down today and has sacrificed oxen and fattened cattle and sheep in abundance and has invited all the king's sons and the commanders of the army and Abiathar the priest, and look, they are eating and drinking before him, and they say, long live King Adonijah. And so... Let me find my place. Long live King Adonijah, but he has not invited me. 
nor uh, your servant, me your servant, me your servant, that's very important, nor Zadok the priest, nor Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, nor your servant Solomon. He has not invited the key people. He has invited those who were willing to put up with an arrogant son. He said, has this thing been done by my Lord the king, and you have not told your servant who should sit on the throne of my Lord the king after him? So he says, and, and so I believe what, what uh, the prophet is doing, he is asking in such a way as to provoke the king, is very sick, to provoke him to do what he should do. And, and I believe that sometimes preaching comes to provoke us to do what we should do. And if it doesn't challenge us, if it doesn't move us forward, it's not good preaching. And I'm here to say to you that we need to look like Jesus. We need to be the church that Jesus died for. We need to be servant leaders. We need to be humble. That is, in the sight of God, and therefore be great. We must be great. In verse 28, it says, Then David answered and said, Call Bathsheba to me. So she came into the king's presence and stood before the king. And the king took an oath and said, As the Lord lives, who has redeemed my life from every distress, every distress. Look how good God is to us. He has redeemed us from every distress, every bad thing. Just as I swore to you by the Lord God of Israel, saying, he has sworn to Bathsheba, saying, Assuredly, Solomon, your son, shall be king after me, and he shall sit on my throne in my place. So I certainly will do this day. Now notice, I'm giving you context of what I want you to get, all right? Then Bathsheba bowed with her face to the earth and paid homage to the king and said, Let my Lord King David live forever. And King David said, call to me Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada. Benaiah is now uh, a very faithful and loyal uh, soldier. He says, so they came, uh, general actually, and so they came before the king. Uh, the king also said to them, take with you the servants of your Lord. Take with them. Now, who are you taking? You take the servants. Adonijah had, had gathered all the, the high people in rank and social status. But David says, I'm going to anoint Solomon king, but I want you to take servants with you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If we could just change the church. If we, we could change your mentality and the condition of your mind and your heart. Take servants. Take with you the servants of your Lord or David's servants. And have my son and have Solomon, my son, ride on my mule. Jesus rode in on the donkey. Have him ride in on, not a big stallion. Because if I were king, I think I would want to ride on me a big white or black stallion. Push my shoulders back. No. That's the way of the world. That's what Satan did. Satan must not have liked God being a servant, being gentle, being kind, and he rebelled and said, I want some worship. It shall not be so among you. Let me go and read. And have Solomon, my son, ride on my own mule and take him down to Gihon, the place where they anointed kings. 
There let Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet anoint him king over Israel and blow the horn and say, Long live King Solomon. Then you shall come up after him, and he shall come and sit on my throne, and he shall be king in my place, for I have appointed him to be ruler over Israel and over Judah. This is blessed my heart. Wonderful, wonderful picture, wonderful story. You see great humility. Ben, Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, answered the king and said, Amen. And I trust you will say amen to this message I'm preaching. May the Lord God of my Lord, the king, say so also. And so Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, answered the king and said, Amen. And may the Lord God of my Lord, the king, say so too. So he says, let God say amen to what you're doing. Jesus Christ is called the amen. Hallelujah. So Jesus ought to say amen to our conduct. He ought to say amen when we are walking in humility and not arrogance. He ought to say amen when we are following him and not the ways of this world. I want God to say amen to my conduct, somebody. If he can't say amen in your life, I don't think you're going to be spending eternity with him. He says, as the Lord has been with my Lord, the king, even so may he be with Solomon and make his throne greater than the throne of my Lord, King David. And that's what we always want. We, we dads who are true dads and moms, we want our children to be greater than we are. So Zadok, the priest, Nathan, the prophet, Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, the Cherethites and the Pelethites, David's own personal guard, went down and had Solomon ride on King David's mule and took him to Gihon. Then Zadok the priest took a horn of oil from the tabernacle, from the tabernacle, from the tabernacle, and anointed Solomon. And they blew the horn, and all the people said, Long live King Solomon. Now you see Solomon, humble, riding on a mule. I, I would say to you, uh, Adonijah was in the best chariot or riding on the biggest stallion he could find. It's different in the kingdom of God. The world system is not for you. The world system is not for you. John 13, 15. John 13, 15. For I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. That's in John, when Jesus got, knowing that he had come from God and he was going back to God, rose up from supper. He knew he, was, he had come from God. Now, this is big. And, the, and that he was going back to God. Rose up from supper. And one of his last acts, girded himself with a towel. Took the form of a servant, a slave, and got down and washed his disciples' feet. What a beautiful picture. What a beautiful picture. What a beautiful picture. In John 21, let's look at it. John 21, verse 10. John 21, verse 10, Jesus said to them, bring some fish which you have just caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to the land uh, full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask, who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them and likewise the fish. One of my favorite stories in the Bible. Here's Jesus after he had resurrected from the dead, had done the great, performed the greatest feat ever known to mankind. He got out of the grave. And here he is cooking breakfast like a servant. 
like the servant he is. 1 John 2, 6 says, he who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. John 1, First uh, John 2, 6, he who says he abides in him. Do you abide in him? He who says he abides in him ought, ought himself also to walk just as he walked. So you ought to be like Jesus. Are you like Jesus? Yeah, we, we don't mind eating and serving important folks, but will, will we serve those that we think aren't so important? Heaven is now populated and will be populated with the meek, the gentle, the lowly, humble people, humble people, humble people, not the arrogant, not the self-will, self-serving. In Numbers, we find that the Scripture reads that now the man Moses was very humble, very meek, more than all men who were on the face of the earth. God chose a man like Moses. He had been a fiery guy, but God took him into the desert. He dealt with him, and now he was humble. He's meek more than anybody on earth. And God said, okay, you're, you're the one to lead my people. church, we have to get this thing right. And we don't have a long time to get it right, church. And I, I speak a warning to the church. We can sit and be smug all we want to. We've made our nation an idol. And that might be why God is deal, dealing with it. Not that the world idolizes it, but that you, the church, I know you have a civic responsibility, but that is subordinate to your allegiance to God. Whatever God says we do, whatever God speaks, we speak. And if you don't get that, Lord, help you. And Lord, keep my heart from being broken. I'm going to pray for you. Father, in the name of the Lord, I want to thank you for the people of God who are in my audience today. I ask you to bless them in every regard. And those who are not saved, I pray you save them. Make them whole today. If you're not saved, you need to invite Jesus into your heart, not your life, into your heart. Just say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. A accept me a sinner. I repent of my sin. I don't want to be a sinner anymore. Save me today, and Jesus will do it. Amen. I'll be right back. <laughs> 